Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter at Hashtag Kangas or on Instagram at Hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. So today I'm once again joined by Claire Cozzi to review our prelim final loss to Melbourne. Um, heartbreaking loss in the end. And yeah, um, we talked... Uh, about the season overall, which players improved, as well as uh, how we lost the game over the weekend. So I won't hold you up anymore. I'll bring on Claire right now. All right. So I'm once again joined by Claire Cozzi on this uh, Monday evening. Now, Claire, a couple of days after a prelim final loss, um, how do you feel now as opposed to straight after the siren? Yeah. Um, looks not great still. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You know, they say you live, you laugh, you love, and you cry. Um, yeah. No, look, it's yeah, it's a bit of a stark contrast to how I felt uh, this time last week versus the Tigers. Um, I think more than anything, I'm just a little bit. Um, there was a, a lot of frustration. I think there would have been for North supporters with the um, amazing dominance of play. I think in the third or second quarter, where we had a whopping, you know, 18 inside 50s but could only really score two behind. So um, like I kind of said to you, it's, it's one of those opportunities that kind of just went begging. Um, I don't necessarily think it, – it sounds incredibly biased, but I don't necessarily think Melbourne are that much better than we are. I think that they were just able to take their opportunities um, better than us and um, were able to kind of hit the scoreboard. So – um, look, it was tremendous to be with the North people. Uh, it was really great to see uh, Danny Laidley, Anthony Stevens, and the crowd. I think I saw um, a whole bunch of the men's senior team, like Will Phillips, Hugh Greenwood, um, of course, Sonia Hood as well. So it was really nice to kind of have that whole philosophy of the whole club being there to support. I thought that was really special. Um, but, yeah, I did walk away fairly upset, uh, fairly frustrated on what I thought was a real opportunity to go to the grand final and have it a real um, go at it. But, you know, that's that's football. Someone's got to lose, someone's got to win. Um, so, yeah, a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I, I ended up going to a 30th after the game, so I didn't actually um, get to talk to anyone about the catharsis of, you know, the key analysis and the matchups and stuff like that. So I didn't really put much thought into it. And then I did that really uh, toxic thing of doing a match replay and watched a bit of it again <laughs> and then got upset. Um, but, no, look, it, it's life. It's it's okay. It's I'm sure that the um, the players have, I don't know, whether they maybe did a Mad Monday or something like that. But I'm, I have no doubt in my mind that the competitiveness, the hunger, and the fire in the belly will kind of be used to, to springboard uh, season 2023. But um, how do you feel, Dean? How do you feel a couple of days later? I felt okay. Like, I sort of accepted it probably halfway through the last quarter that we weren't going to get the win, especially when Daisy Pierce kicked that snap. I knew the game was over then. Um, so yeah. I started reflecting already by then about the season <laughs> yeah. as a well. whole. And, yeah, I, I kind of, yeah, like, I think you summed it up pretty well. I mean, it was they, they took their chances and we didn't. Yeah, I think in the last quarter they had twelve inside fifties, kicked uh, two goals. Yes, two goals. 
Um, and we had 18 inside 50s in the third quarter and kicked down with two behinds. And I think that's pretty much sums up the game. And that's the difference at the end of the day. When you when you get your opportunities against a good team, you just got to take them. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we, we huffed and puffed. Um, we didn't really have a structure going forward. We kept going to the wrong side of the ground. And, yeah, bombing it in long. Um, look, the, the conditions played a big part as well. You know, it was very swirly and windy. It was yeah. very hard to execute your passes. So... That, that didn't help. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I, I, I accepted it, um, yeah, like I said, halfway through last. And I, I feel fine with it because I, I feel more optimistic going into next year after yeah. that loss than I did last year when we got smashed by Fremantle. And then we lost a bunch of, ex, you know, uh, yeah, experienced players, good players, and we replaced them with first-year players. And those first-year players, I know we talked off air about them, but um, they all, you know, um, contributed uh, throughout the yeah. course of the year. You know, even yeah. someone like Charlie Granville. Yeah, um, yeah. Two goals against Collingwood, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And um, there's cause for optimism going forward. So I'm happy with that. And, you know, I, I didn't give as much chance to get this far at the start of the year and to get this far and to give yourself an opportunity. Three points down, it probably should have been two goals up. That's three quarters yeah. time the second best team. Oh, yeah, I, I'd probably, I would have taken that at the start of the season. Put it this way. Yeah, so. and that's, that is a really optimistic way to look at it. I think for me... Um, I my past mark. I'm a bit harsh, but my past mark was making a prelim. So technically, in terms of my head, they um they definitely uh get the tick in terms of how they've performed this season. And I'm I'm quite I don't know because I quite like AFLW and I do put a lot of thought and effort into it. I sort of looked at who we played throughout the season, what our list looked like, and and what our expectations were. So um. Yeah, I've been definitely blown away at how our debutantes and even like, you know, the Irish girls have come in and made such a huge impact in such a short amount of time. And, and you're right, that's only going to get better and it's only going to kind of, um, they're only going to get more skilled and more fit and more aware of the game plan. And, and they're better off for playing those finals and absorbing the kind of pressure and playing under that atmosphere, which I don't think, you know, you can simulate that those kind of experiences. So... Yeah, it's 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 not exactly a bitter pill to swallow. Uh, it's a pill, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, to go back to kind of what you said, that I think the conditions did play quite a big bit with how North um, are able to set up a uncontested kind of spread of the ball, and I felt like there were times where even Jazzy, who normally is quite composed by foot and can pick out targets, knew that the conditions weren't conducive to that. So. You know, across half back, she just kind of pop it up in the air, and you just felt like there were times where North weren't playing that um, character or that brand of football that we're so um, used to playing because they knew that it was just it just wasn't conducive. It just wasn't ideal to to the conditions of the the swirliness of the atmosphere. So I felt like that definitely didn't help us at all. Um, I don't think it it, it was. Um, what I mean to say by that is that it didn't help Melbourne and it didn't help us. I just felt that it was just not ideal. Like, you know, if you if you chucked that game at Marvel Stadium under a under a roof, I think you would have self we would have played a a better game in the sense that it would have been a little bit more uh, tidy with our disposal use and and be able to kind of really spread and carry the ball. Whereas I think Melbourne's game plan of overlap, run, and play a little bit more of a slingshot footy to kind of um, pick the gaps through north. I think that the weather didn't really actually play 
um, a big part in their game plan. So yeah, it's something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, you kept, I kept on thinking at the ground. I don't know about you, but I couldn't pick which end the wind was blowing. Could you? Oh, swirly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was very, very swirly. Yeah. It, it definitely didn't lean either way. I kept on thinking, oh, maybe this is, you know, a three-goal three, three goal breeze or something, but I could just – I never picked it. So, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. Yeah. I don't think it suited either end. Um, nah. Yeah, so it was just like – I mean, you would have seen a couple of the high balls and you see – the, the ball was just blowing everywhere. It would have been, they were very tough to mark. I, I noticed a couple of girls, you know, from both teams, they dropped marks that they usually probably take, but the wind was just blowing all over the place and made it really tough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mate. I mean, I thought, I thought the first quarter and a half, we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about the game. Uh, the first quarter and a half, I felt like um, we were getting sucked into the way they were playing. And I remember um, an incident where Vicky Wall just uh, tackled – well, I think it was a Melbourne midfielder really hard right in front of us, like uh, on the half-forward flank, and that was it. And that sort of set us alight that um, we're not going to play on their terms, like an outside game. Yeah. And then it became a bit of a contested game. Then we got the game on our terms after that. We dominated probably the next quarter and a half, but we just didn't dominate on the scoreboard, unfortunately. So Yeah. It was yeah. frustrating, wasn't it? I felt like that <laughs> first goal that Talia Randallet kicked, you know, it was like in the first minute and a half of the game, I thought, yeah, we're here to play. And then there was that kind of a patch of like, you know, um, unscoring. Just like, yeah, it, it did feel like we were definitely leading into more Melbourne style of, of that run over over Curry and that lap. And they, they did they do use a lot of handballs to kind of move throughout the, uh, the ground. But, yeah, it was good to see the fight and that kind of contested because I think that's what North are kind of renowned for as well, that physical contest and and being really um, unrelenting at the at the pressure and the, the source, the stoppages and the clearances and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating to watch that. I think, you know, I thought when we did have that ball, 18 inside 50s and you've got Emma King and Talia Randall as two really big key tall forwards, you have to wonder. And I know the weather does play some impact, but, yeah, you have to wonder how that that doesn't work out, you know, or if, <laughs> if, yeah, if okay, yeah, or if, you know, if it does get knocked and crumb, we've got one of the best, I would say, I know, bias, but one of the best small mid-sized forwards that can run around, buzz around and, and create scoring opportunities for that. So it just felt like when they we, were We able- didn't have a structure, did we? It was a lot nah. of um, huff nah. and puff. And, yeah. and they got a lot of inter- intercept marks. Um, yeah. Because well, they, just- they double teams, uh, the tall girls, and we just kept going to them far yeah. too often. You kind of had to try something different. Maybe we'll go, you know, throw... You know, uh, get them out and try Vicky Wall as a one-on-one or, yeah. or maybe or, like, or at least I, I just felt like they Melbourne for for a lot of that time period just parked the bus down there. So yeah, it felt much. like, yeah. yeah, it just felt like there was nothing to be gained from it. They'd kind of repel, rebound Mark, and then Carney would take an intercept and then she'd, you know, haul it back in there. And it was just rinse and repeat for like about – I reckon at least 12 to 13 minutes of that quarter. And I was, of course, on the other end. I'm classic Icon Park, but wherever I go, uh, whatever stand I sit in, the ball's always on the other side. <laughs> so yeah I, I can, yeah, I can barely see what's actually happening. So I was getting fairly frustrated with the whole thing. Um, but, yeah, yeah look, it, it's maybe one of those considerations where they review the tape and they, and they look at, you know, instead of quickly sending it in, how do you pick out a target? And I think that was the difference. Melbourne were really able to 
isolate their forwards and create really good leads um, and then pick off and and really um, be able to create more scoring opportunities. I think they had something like nine marks inside 50, which is pretty decent. Six six, six to one. Yeah, so so still, still, yeah, uh, from their inside 50, you know, uh, count, which was 26, six marks, whereas we had uh, one mark inside 50. From 36 to 50, so, yeah. Oh, kills your soul, yeah. doesn't it? Doesn't it doesn't help. <laughs> no, yeah. it really doesn't. It, it feels like, yeah, like we said, you know, Geelong a couple of weeks ago that would have been really frustrated, the fact that they weren't able to uh, break through that wall that was North Melbourne defence. So it's, we've tasted our own medicine and it's a bit bitter, I have to admit. <laughs> um, but, no, look, it's it, it was fantastic to watch, I think, and it was nice to have so many supporters at the game being able to kind of witness and put together an amazing season um, and we are better for it. You know, it is one of those games where – and you, you look at the stats after the game and you think, where was it lost? And, and I look at our – like I said, our small forward kind of contingent of like, you know, Bala Eddie probably wasn't as active, Abba, uh, Lisa Lachlan, um, who else is down there? Those kind of like, you know, those – key players that pop up and have a score involvement or, you know, provide – even Gavalis, I thought, you know, she was okay-ish, um, but they didn't have nearly as big of an impact as I thought they could have and or in comparison to the Tigers game. So, um, you know, I thought our, our back line did fairly well. I know 33 points um, is pretty – Pretty tidy, although I think someone commented that 17 points was our largest defeat for the entire season. So I'd say fairly stringent, pretty tight back line. I thought Brooke Brown did all right. Um, you know, she provided a bit of an outlet across the half back. I think um, Brezhnehan played a pretty decent game. I think Carney was a bit of a warrior as well with her intercept marks and her leadership. Um, and then Bruton and Garner, of course, had a had a phenomenal game as well. But, um, yeah, just feel like – I feel like maybe Melbourne had more of an even spread of contributors. They didn't have too many stars as much as they just had um, kind of some real consistency across every line. Like no one from Melbourne overly stood out to me. It was just that they had a bit of a spread of of talent across each line. Would you say – how did you see the game? Did you feel like they were – there was – um, I guess some some key differences in the players or how they how they performed I on the weekend. I think we beat them in the midfield. Uh, to be honest with you, I think I know the clearances were fairly even, but I, I felt like yeah, I mean we, we got a lot of um, ball, but we we kind of especially last quarter we hacked kicked it yeah. forward against two, three, four to one. We just we need to get more overlap. Um, yeah. yeah, we need to take the game on a bit more in that regard instead of just. Hat kicking it for, and I felt sorry for Abitangelo, who seemed to be the only one isolated against three defenders against mm. Melbourne trying to do it all. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, possession wise, it's pretty even. Like, um, I think Melbourne had 20 more touches in the last quarter, um, whereas we had about uh, 25 more touches in the third quarter. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, they they just took their chances. Um, yeah. it's, it's it's pretty simple uh, way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like. You know, we've closed the gap as well. Um, I know Darren Crocker sort of mentioned that after the game through the top three teams. And even you mentioned off here, I think we're the third best team. I think we'll, we're better than Adelaide. If we played yeah. Adelaide over the weekend, we would have beaten them. Yeah, um, right. But, um, yeah, and, you know, I mean, we weren't far. Yeah, we're three points down at uh, three-quarter time. I, I feel like if we got in front, 
at three quarter time, I, I felt like we, we would have hung on. But um, yeah, just the the psychological uh, part of the game, we just didn't take our chances. And I, and I think I texted you at three quarter time, sort of saying that uh, I think it's going to come back to haunt us. Um, yeah. Just not taking our chances. And yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, we we can analyse it to death, but uh, I think we've set <laughs> it up pretty well. But uh, yeah, I mean. It, the good teams take their chances and probably you know, the, the fourth or fifth uh, best team in the competition just didn't. So yeah, it is what it is. It. But, um, yeah, overall, like, you must be impressed with um, a lot of the first and second year players. Like, we had a lot of debuts this year. Charlie Granville, Sophia McCarthy, they, they played throughout the course of the year. Taylor Gap yeah. played pretty much every game. Uh, Zoe Savarian came mm-hmm. in, you know, uh, uh, had um, a few games this year, only a 17-year-old. Um, yeah, Brooke Brown, the growth of her. Amy Smith uh, took a big step forward. Tess Craven as well. Um, you, you got to be. There's got to be cause for optimism going forward, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think that yeah, it touches upon what Crocker and Carney and Riddell in their post-match interview said that they're incredibly proud of the season they put together and um, the kind of I guess you know they had the hardest draw uh, unequivocally. They had the hardest draw. They've had. Um, you know, they've had to go from their prelim for eight, from eighth spot on the ladder to, you know, playing off a, on a prelim with all those kind of debutantes and captain being kind of injured for, um, you know, she's obviously, Carney's not at 100%. Um, so I think it, it's pretty um, telling of how great the North Melbourne program is in terms of what it's been able to achieve, um, in terms of youth development, in terms of I think from maybe the the players between three to three to five years. So like yeah, your Brooke Browns, I think she's had a perfect I think Nicole Brosnahan's had a, a really solid season as well. I think she's put together some some great games. Um, I think yeah, the Irish gals coming across, um, recognizing that talent and, and getting them over to Australia, I think was really good. I think that's a pathway definitely worth exploring. Um, Amy Smith, really great. I think Zoe, very exciting and useful. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting with someone like McCarthy in the future in terms of, you know, I think she's a key forward. I think she's only 21 years old. So it'd be nice to see how we can develop that sort of talent. Um, but, yeah, it, it was, I guess, from uh, I think through, throughout the start of the season we had some close losses to Melbourne and Adelaide and, and everyone kind of said, oh, it's the same old north. And I remember speaking to people, I'm like, oh, it's just not, though. It's, I can tell you I can tell you right now I, I've watched these girls play for ages and it's just a different brand and it's an exciting brand. I think, you know, get on board, watch this kind of space. And so... Um, it's been wonderful to be able to, to kind of enjoy their season and and put together some real highlights, I think, for North fans, especially given, again, the men's season. It's nice to yeah. uh, nice enjoy. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice to have a bit of a lightness to it all and, and enjoy what they've been able to put together. I think, for me, some cherries on top will be ideally watching Jasmine Garner be proud with the, um, the MVP at the AFLW Awards. I think she's... Really deserve it of that. I think Bruton being in the AA squad. I think Carney Bruton and um, Garner are all in the AA squad, which I think is awesome. So um, it'd be great to see them be recognised for their their talent. Um, and then I guess yeah, another real really big thing that I'm proud of, like you said, is is the debutants and Granville, Zoe. Um, McCarthy, all of them getting that space to grow. Even Taylor Gatt, I think she got in the team and then she just never 
went out with Gash. No, she's, she's played the whole season. Yeah, played every yeah. game. Yeah, and she's 18, you know. She's an 18-year-old yeah. winger. I think it was really smart of Crocker and the coaches to put Gat and Craven as the two wings um, mm. because that's one of those positions where you learn so much. I mean, you do have your role to play, but you, you just learn so much about the game and, and your game awareness as well. So I thought that was really smart of them to do that. Um yeah, I'm just. It was a. It was a really great season. I felt very, very proud. And even after the game, even though I was pretty upset about the whole thing, I thought, you know, when's the last time North Melbourne were in a prelim? <laughs> it's been quite a lean couple of years in terms of the win loss ratio column for our North men. So it was nice to be a part of the success of the team and and watch them kind of thrive um, and get better and better. So you kind of just hope that you know, they're able to use that prelim final as a platform for season eight to kind of understand we, we have the brand of football, we have the talent on the list. It's now kind of going that next step um, and pushing ourselves to to kind of better um, what their, the season seven kind of had. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud to be a North Melbourne W member. I think there's about 3,000 or so. Of uh of North Melbourne W members, which is amazing. It, it um, rolled over this this year, didn't it? As well, like you didn't have to get a membership, is that? Yeah, yeah, it rolled over. Yeah, so it was great. It was um, yeah, it was really great. And I think it's if you're looking to, you know, enjoy some really exciting football, and you're looking to to watch a really great uh, community and a really collectively talented group of women, I think. It would be really awesome to see more people jump on board the the North AFRW bag wagon because it's just such a um, exciting kind of place to be a part of. So, yeah, how do you feel about the season? Are you are you pretty? I mean, of course, you'd be a little disappointed that it's over, but also incredibly proud. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, um, I've pretty I've followed I've followed it, uh, you know, fairly hard for the last couple of, couple of seasons, and even collectively, I think the supporters. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's grown with the with their own supporters. I think that yeah, the when I, I remember going to a GWS game uh, last year, it was like a round two game, and then there wasn't many people there. Whereas you go this year, I mean, there was a there's a fair fair chunk. Like we we'll get you know fifteen hundred, two thousand to each game, yeah. and yeah, even even the last game against Richmond, yeah, we got we got good support, and I, I think the you know supporters are starting to get behind it. That it, it is a good brand, and then the, yeah, AFLW is a good product, and yeah, you know, like it doesn't have to be you know. A, yeah, hundred versus ninety sort of games or anything like that. You still get uh, good contests and yeah. Look, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, as a supporter, I'm really proud of uh, what they've achieved this year. I, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, see the bar that high. That I, I, yeah, I, I know you sort of, uh, you were very optimistic. Uh, hashtag mm. in the flag ruse and all that sort of thing during, <laughs> during the course of the year. So I was thinking, yeah. oh, I don't know, I, I can't see it. But um, yeah, no. Nah, look, full credit to them. You know, to get, um, you know. Uh, you know, within striking distance of the second best team in the competition, who knows? They might they might even win it, and um, you know, probably you know, then effectively win the second best team, really. So, yeah, I yeah. Mean, yeah. So, yeah, and like I said at the start, I'm more optimistic going into next season uh, with this group. Um, I don't think we're going to lose a lot of players. Like we no. we don't have the you know the Hawthorns or the Essens coming into the competition to you know take our players and and so forth. No, uh, you, might, you might lose one or two, but um, you know, um, you might get a couple. We might as well transition to that. What do you think we need to do to take the ne- that next step? Um, yeah, do you think it's just you... recruiting one or two players, or do you think you know there's something yeah. else? 
Yeah, I do think bridging the gap between the, the Ds and the Lions, there's something needs to be done. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't mind. I quite like King and Randall. I think they can be work really hard in tandem and, and do some damage. But I think the development of someone like a McCarthy could be really valuable or potentially getting um, another kind of maybe key forward um, could be make the difference. I think our midfield's really good. Um, I think one of the things I did notice, though, with um, Melbourne was just their pace. They're quite quick uh, on the yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that, yeah. You know, and, and it's not to say we're necessarily slow, but I just thought that, our spread, our game plan is, you know, you hit your 25 and you move and you kind of slowly progress towards goal and, and setting up a really good opportunity to score and then also, you know, having your defensive structures. So, you know, is it worthwhile thinking about some pace? And I know Erica O'Shea not being out there, I think she does offer a fair bit of pace throughout the half back line. So that was kind of missing on the weekend. But yeah, D's just seem to have very tall, um, fast players. Like that's a, yeah, they're very just, athletic. Yeah, they're very athletic, which is great. Like good on them, you know. That's that's great. But um, yeah, I just felt like that was something that I really noticed that stood out. Um, so maybe yeah, maybe having a bit of outside pace could be helpful. I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where. It's easy to chuck up a you know a key forward or a key position player and say, oh, if we got this person, we'd win. But it's more about the game structure per se, and it's more about you know maybe potentially getting more time into someone like Zoe as a small forward, or is it worthwhile pursuing? I don't know. I, I, yeah, there, yeah, it's like, tricky. It's tricky. It's so tricky when you lose a prelim by, I don't conceive, I know it was 17 points in the end, but it felt very... It was a lot closer than that, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. So when you win, when you lose a prelim by such a slim margin, it's hard to sit back and kind of review where it went wrong when you know deep down it was just purely us not taking our opportunities when we had them. So, um, yeah, I don't necessarily think, yeah, like I said, I think it's the first season that I don't necessarily think, I, I don't know, it seems a little unproven and, and you know, it seems like I'm talking bullshit, but I, I do feel <laughs> like we have bridged a significant gap between us and those three teams. Like it doesn't seem as big as what it used to be. The mountain doesn't seem as high and as, you know, um, high to reach. Um, it, you know, and I know this sounds also bad, but it also helps when other teams you know, I would imagine, you know, hopefully injuries and ever, I never wish anything on another player, but I think they, this would be Daisy's last season, I'd imagine. And mm. you, you almost you almost want, you know, players to kind of move on and, and, yeah, that will change the culture of the club. Like I think if, you know, if, if Brisbane win a, win a grand final again, that's will that mean a couple of players retire or, you know, they do they rejuvenate and they just keep on getting – because I think someone put out a stat there and said for since the inception of AFLW as an inaugural year, it's been Melbourne, Brisbane and Adelaide constantly in finals every season. And so that level of talent just continues to kind of exist and no one's really challenged it. Um, and that that's, I think – you know, great for supporters of those clubs, but frustrating for the rest. So it's just one, like one of those things of how do you, how do you dilute the talent so more clubs have an opportunity of playing finals? I guess if that makes sense. 
Yeah, um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as in, yeah. yeah, what what needs to change in those actual – and that's great that they're such strong clubs, but it's almost like well, what needs to change for other clubs to get to that level as well. So, I don't know. It, it's a tricky one. Do you have any Do you have any key messages for Crocker? What would you do in the off-season, Dan? Oh, uh, look, I think – Look, I think you know. I, I just expect it within ourselves that um, within our team that that will grow even more. Like I, I, second year of Vicky Wall, Eric O'Shea, they'll be a lot better. They'll understand the game a lot more. You yeah. get, um, you know, Charlie Granville, you know, might be a regular next season. She might be a very good player. Look, I, I, I'd like to put a phone call out to Courtney Wakefield. To be honest, yeah, with you. I know. And just say, look, just come for a year. You don't have to train or nothing. So just, just yeah. play at that day. So train yeah. at Mildura and uh, come down for for game day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Just for one season because she could be the missing link. She is, she's a very classy. Uh, oh yeah, she's great. She was yeah. I'm I'm a little. I'm not shocked. Obviously, she's a bit older of a player, and um, the demands of the of the of the job would be quite hard. But yeah, you do have to wonder. It's kind of like that whole thing of you know when Geelong got. Isaac Smith and they kind of were like, oh, we're punting on maybe one or two years max and he ends up winning a Norm Smith in the grand final. So it's, it's some of those top-up players can be really valuable and really add a lot of flexibility to your list as well. So, yeah, should be huge, wouldn't she? Should be a huge get if we could do that. I, I mean, I'd love to bloody put – I'd love to have Ali McKenzie as well because I just think that the thing that I really admire about Richmond is their pace and their agility around their ball. And I feel like Mon Conti and Ali McKenzie together are just really, really good at that. Um, so I'd love to... She's always good. Oh, it. she is. I've been able to... I ended up like doing a, a bit of work with Northern Knights when she was there and she was underage. She, I think, was about maybe 15 and she was playing under 18s there. So she was, and she was easily in the top five at the time. Like she was just a really skilled, talented player. I think her brother was actually on one of the North lists for a while. That's um, not Brad McKenzie, is it? I think it is. Oh, okay. I think, I'll have yeah, to look yeah, that up. Yeah, he definitely was on the North list for a while because um, I thought, oh, maybe there's a brother and sister rule <laughs> that we can get happening here, get cracking. Um yeah, I wouldn't mind injecting a bit of pace into that midfield. I think that um, it would add a lot to it. It's just, yeah, watch Melbourne on the weekend kind of just link up and the quick handballs and the speed in which they move the ball. It's often like other teams are often kind of put on the back foot because of that, that real quick kind of pace that they have to it all. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. What about um the best and fairest? Do you have a top three? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I'm just looking up the Ali McKenzie as you speak. There's a Tom yeah. McKenzie, her siblings. Oh, Tom McKenzie is was yeah, he on a list? He, I, I'm trying to think if it, if it was that guy that was on a rookie list. No, I don't don't know. Um, if he was on a rookie list and never played a game, I'm trying to think. No, it might have been Tom Wilkinson. That's going oh, back. Oh, maybe. Jesus, yeah, some I, names, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh yeah, I think I think Tom McKenzie was in the North Melbourne reserves because yeah, he played at Northern Knights for it as well. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. so and they played it. Yeah, I, I did see that. So yeah, no, it doesn't matter anyway. But um, I'll get back to that top three. Look, I mean, I think we know the winner. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think to, yeah, we have to look at that. Oh, I'll just. Uh, I'll stop that. Tom McKenzie, known, yeah, uh, he was a North Melbourne Reserves. Yeah, so, right. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we'll move forward. Um, yeah, and, and Jenna Brutton, I think, Bruton, uh, um, I think she'll be there in the top three. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking like uh, like a Nicole Bresnahan. Oh, like, yeah. I think, yeah, she had a decent season. The only thing that I, 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 I'd be similar to yours, the only reason I didn't give it to her is I just don't think backliners, unfortunately, get – they uh, get the accolades. Yeah, yeah, they really don't. Um, in awards like Best and Fairest, they just they don't. I think accumulate enough of the ball. I think to get recognised, which is really sucks because I think Jazz Ferguson, Sarah Wright, Bresnahan had a phenomenal season. I think oh, I would agree. I would tend to agree with you. I think Garner number one, Brooke number two, and then I think I think um, Carney will sneak in as well. I think with her rotations through the mid. Um, her score involvements, I think she, she'll she be able to kind of nab third place. I know she was injured uh, in the last round, so she doesn't poll in that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't I, – actually, oh, Randall kicked, I think, three against Gold Coast Suns in the first game and she's kicked a couple of multiple goals. But I think just because of the fact that the North forward line have been – pretty solid and just even contributions would be hard to pick out votes in the forward line as mm. much. So I think it always, yeah, best and fairest always tend to be midfielders awards, um, like it or lump it. So yeah, I'd, I'd go Ghana number one by a country mile, Bruton and then Carney, I think would be my top three. Yeah, I'll go Bresnahan. Yeah, no, I love that. I would love to be proven wrong because I love defenders. I think they, I think Bresnahan's had a phenomenal season. So um, I'd love to see her get the recognition. I also think, yeah, Brooke Brown's had a great season. Yeah, she's done really well. Um, So, yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those awards where, uh, like as in AFLW awards and things like that, where you almost wish there was little things to recognise each kind of, you know, backs, forwards and, and mids, just so then, you know, they get the the, the dual, that kind of recognition that they kind of deserve. I think Jazz Ferguson's had a phenomenal season as well as that lockdown defender. I think yeah. she didn't give away too much this season and when she did, she made them earn it. So... <laughs> You know, yeah, you love to kind of see yeah, that. She's yeah. yeah, she's great. I think and that was a really I think when I sat back in the car and was sad, it was I was like I was disappointed because I think and thirty three points in the big scheme of AFRW isn't that big of a score to um, you know, it's not like we got blown off the park, but I just felt like the defenders did a much better job than that. And so it was frustrating to watch them have to kind of, you know, walk away knowing that they, you know, that was the heaviest loss of the season where I thought they played really well and they they held their own. I was just um, Melbourne were, like I said, the theme of this podcast. They were able to kind of take their opportunities when they had them and we weren't, which was very frustrating. But uh, alas, we've got yeah. eight, uh, eight months of, you know, the trade period to kind of query what's going to happen. And then obviously oh, we've got the grand final on Sunday and 2.40 on a Sunday. At a random stadium in Brisbane, I just 
I don't know what the AFLW were thinking there, Dean. I have no idea. Well, I don't know what they've been thinking for a lot of this season, to be honest with you, some of the things they've um, been doing. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's another podcast at the end of the day. Oh, but, isn't yeah. it just? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it makes no sense to me. I think when you've got a supporter base that really wants to help grow the game and and yeah. engage with it and that's how you treat it, it's... Yeah, it's, it's really disappointing. Yeah. yeah, it's not great. I, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed with Nicole Livingston, to be honest with you. It seems mm-hmm. like she's just a, a puppet. Um, oh, she's a figurehead. Yeah, she's yeah, an absolute figurehead she, of the game. She's got to have more of a voice than she's got at the moment. And she's, it, it seems like someone's just telling her how to do it. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's it's really disappointing. Been... And I don't mean to be critical of her, but. No, I think I think it's fair. I think that's you know take away the gender of it all. It's if anyone was running this show and this is the kind of level of somewhat some would say contempt of what she's kind of shown fans in the community. I think that irrespective of gender or their background, it's just not the best way to run a footy comp, is it? Like it's not at any point. I think she even came out and said, "Oh, we just assumed that." once the men's finish had finished, you know, that people would jump on board and support the women's. And I thought whilst I I can see how they would make sense, it's a completely different community. Like as in I think most people who go to men's games and women's, there is a crossover section, but it's a different type of community altogether. And that's not, you know, saying it's bad or good. It's just it's a different group of people that go to AFLW. And so to pander to an AFL men's fan base is just silly because it's yeah it's an entirely different group of human beings that you're trying to kind of collect and and engage with the game so especially like you know young families as well that i know that feel comfortable with the time slot they like that it's you know a shorter format it's accessible at local grounds like it's just yeah it's a real all the decisions they've kind of made this season even from the start I, i know a lot of aflw players are really frustrated at the turnover like they felt like they didn't have enough of a rest or, you know, the, the preseason heading into it was a bit too short and they just didn't feel really prepared, but they were kind of silenced on that. They were kind of told, suck it up and, and let's get going, like we're here to promote the game. So, yeah, I've been pretty vocal with the fact that I think the the players, the coaches and the community have done its best to keep the game what it is, you know, almost despite AFRW existing. So... Pretty wild, but um, look, I'll watch the game on the weekends. What's um, what's your tip? Who do you think will get the win? Oh, I think Brisbane in Brisbane, um, but I think it'll be close by about eight points. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like their forward line, uh, Brisbane. Yeah, they, they just got too many Conway, Ward Law, that Hotter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're very hard to stop. Bodie um, and. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think they're, they're I think Gemma Bastiani put out a tweet saying they're like they're, they're ranked the most defensive attacking side in the league, and I think attacking football wins wins grand finals and wins flags. So I'd have to agree with you. I think and I think it'll be more than eight points. So I think it'll be closer to maybe twenty points. I think they'll um, they'll blow. Melbourne will stay with them until about three quarter time, and I think then Brisbane will. We'll use a bit of that gas in the tank to kind of roll over them. Um, I think Brisbane have had the benefit of staying in Brisbane for the last month or so because they played Collingwood in the last round up at the Gabba or Metricon and then they ha- just haven't moved because they've played every final at it's home. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it really yeah. does. And that's the thing. Like, I know it's only like, what, hour and a half via plane or something like that. So it's not, you know, a flight to Perth, but 
I do think there's something to be said about having that that massive home ground advantage when it does come to finals. Um, so you know, it, it would be interesting to see. I think the time slot's awful, two forty. I don't know what they were thinking with that. Um, I do hope that they draw a crowd. I really hope that they're able to get. I hope that Melbourne supporters are able to, if they can, um, you know, hop on a plane and go and support. I know. I was texting my dad at halftime um, saying, look, if we win, we're going up, Dad. Like, I'll pay. We're doing it. Like, I, I was definitely already kind of looking at flights to uh, to Brisbane at halftime. That's the optimist in me. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, look, I've saved myself two grand so I can, uh, I can use that in the future now and maybe celebrate with a couple of quiet drinks on the Sunday and, and watch the footy. But, yeah, I think Brisbane have and, you know, rightfully so been on top of the ladder the entire kind of season because they are well and truly uh, the best team in the comp. So we'll see how we go. But, yeah, my tip is is the Lions by about 20 points. Um, and, unfortunately, as much as I really admire someone like Daisy Pierce, I think she'll retire and um, – Head into the sunset knowing that, you know, she gave everything that she could, every inch of herself to the game and, you know, we're better for it because of her. So, um, yeah, yeah be good. Yeah. Hopefully it's a good game. Oh, I think there's no drama to Daisy Pierce if she doesn't get a premiership. She, she's got her life set up. She'll either get in the media or be an assistant coach. I think she's already got an assistant coach coaching yeah. job lined up at Geelong. So, yeah, no, yeah. she... She'll, she'll still be very successful. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Again, it's a whole other podcast, but it's like, you know, I talk to mates and some of them are like, oh, nah, winning a flag doesn't define me. Oh, I don't care. Like I'm here to play footy with my mates or, you know, I just enjoy this aspect. Whereas you've got the other end of the spectrum. And I think about someone like Nathan Buckley, who like it all or not, his whole career has been defined by the fact that he hasn't won a flag. So it's just interesting how people kind of, and Daisy's come out and said, you know, it wouldn't define me. I still had a very successful career. I'm very happy with myself. But I just find that whole discussion very interesting. And I'm I'm not an overly competitive person, so I wouldn't know. Like, if I had a bit of fun playing footy, I got paid to do something I liked, and I'd be like, nah, well, it is what it is. But I feel like someone like Carney, who I know has won a flag with Western Bulldogs, but I feel like she's itching for it. She knows the capability of the list. She knows how special it is and how unique it is to have that really balanced, composed list. So I think she'd be the type of player she wouldn't – She'd you'd have to kick her out before she, she'd leave because she's just so competitive and loves it so much. So, yeah, my, my hope is that she stays on. I think she's about 33 or 34 anyway and she gets her leg right, but – I think she's a real key to to driving that, that that passion and the enthusiasm, the leadership that she brings to North. And I hope that when she retires, it'll be with a flag and a medal around her neck, um, holding up a, a flag for a Premiership Cup for North Melbourne. That's the goal, isn't it? One hundred percent. I think she's still got a couple more years left. She's still got a football smarts, and I don't think she like I know the the injury hurt her pace a little bit, uh, but I don't think she lost any pace during the course of the year. Um, yeah. I still think she's, she can break lines and she's quite strong at the hips too. So. Oh, she's so strong and she's so incredibly smart. She knows how to where to position herself, how to get the ball and how to kind of win um, win the contestant. So, yeah, I think she's still got a fair bit of the tank. But, yeah, I'd be when she retires, I'll be absolutely gutted. I'll be, I'll be definitely – that'll be a day I'll be definitely shedding tears. But, um. Until oh, that, I'll, I'll she won't to... go far. I think she'll still be, you know, she, well, she's already got a job as a 
uh, a coach uh, with the men's team, but um, I think she'll be the next coach after Darren Crocker. Uh, yeah, you'd imagine you'd have that kind of successive plan with her teaching background, her working the huddle. You'd, yeah, you'd imagine that there'll be definitely a, a pathway carved out for her as well as being, you know, an, an ex Melbourne Uni girl, which has been affiliated with North Melbourne since like 2010. So seems like she's a very heart and soul kind of uh, person to the North Melbourne Football Club, which you love to see considering how great of a, you know, not only how great of a player she is, but it seems like an incredible human being. So it's nice to have them. At a wonderful club that is North Melbourne. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, before we finish, Claire, I'll get you to give me a grade of the overall season. What do you see? Oh, as? Yeah. Um, look, probably was a bit harsh putting the prelim as a pass mark, wasn't it? It's a bit harsh <laughs> for a team that got absolutely smashed by Frio in the, uh, in you know, season six. Um, oh, look, I'm going to go an A. And the reason I've gone A is because getting to a prelim from eighth possession, playing the, all the finals teams and then also debuting, uh, you know, eight different players along the way, I think is a really huge success. I really like the way that they experimented and they, they did cut a few players from, from our team or, you know, they went to expansion clubs and we took a bit of a risk and I think it definitely paid off. Um, so, yeah, it, it's got to be an A for me. What about you, Dean? What would you give it? Uh, B plus. The only yep. only reason I don't give it an A because we just couldn't get past those three teams that are above. Yeah. It. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the only issue. But everything else, uh, B positive. You know, development, uh, new players, um, even you know, like third or, third or fourth year players, development of that, uh, and just the progression um, this year and from last year as well. Like just winning two finals as opposed yeah. to last year, you didn't know where they were. So yeah, no, I'm happy with the B plus. So I'll yeah. Give it no, I think that's, yeah, absolutely fair. It's when you think about it and reflect on it, unfortunately, those are the three teams that we still just can't get across the line at. So, yeah. um, no, it's fair enough. B plus, an A. I reckon round it up to an A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Well, that, yeah, maybe an A minus to, to round it up. But, um, yeah, an incredibly, I don't know, I always think back and I, I look back at the season watch some highlights and stuff and I think, I, I'm so lucky and I guess the North Melbourne AFLW community is so lucky to be a part of that. I think that's a real big springboard. That season is going to serve as a really good reminder of the confidence that we can take going into season eight. And it's, um, it's exciting. It's, it's really, I know it sounds weird to lose a prelim and say you're excited, but I genuinely am. Like I, I really feel like you've got the building blocks there The you know, the, the one to four year players are only going to get better and grow with the game. Um, so onwards and upwards, I say. Yeah, definitely. Well, anyways, Claire, it's been a pleasure having you on pretty much every week. Um, yeah. yeah, look, uh, to talk all things North Melbourne AFLW. Um, the supporters love you, the, judging by the downloads and the plays and so that's forth. Nice. They've uh, pretty much doubled over the course of the last 12 months, and that's a large uh, part because of you. So Thank I really you, appreciate you taking uh, pretty much Mondays or Tuesdays the time to come on and talk uh, North Melbourne, uh, AFLW. I feel like I'm a lot smarter now. <laughs> uh, a few, few of the girls. So, no, I can't thank you enough. I'm sure I'll catch you soon again. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel bad because Dean and I were supposed to meet up on the game. Um, but unfortunately, I ran off on Dean because I was a bit too upset. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. uh, Yeah, no, we were supposed to have a quick chat after the game, but I had to 
scuttle off as well. And uh, but no, it, it's been a real pleasure. It's, I think it's if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I find the North Melbourne community such a unique and special place because whilst there's not many of us, there we're a very strong, passionate group of people. Um, and you can see that everywhere. You can see it at the games. You can see it online. You can see it on Twitter. Mm. Um, it's really nice to have that that backing of the community around you because it, it always comes down to that whole idea of being a small Melbourne club. You almost always have to fight for your validity and justify why you belong to the league. But we know our DNA. We know how incredible and um, how special it is to be a part of it. So I'm going to be a bit sad not having this podcast to do on Mondays. Um, I'm sure what we could do later on is, is have a look. I know it was really exciting um, to watch Clarko with the first to four-year players back at the club today. I saw some of the footage online. I was like, ah, pre-season. Charlie Comden, he's back. He's raring to go. I saw <laughs> photos of Will Phillips as well. and I thought that was really exciting after a really plagued year of glandular fever and stuff like that. So um, I'll be keen on, yeah, just having a having a yarn about North Melbourne and how we're going and and having this place to, to chat with you has been really, really, really lovely. So I really appreciate it. And um, I'm sure that we'll contact each other and, and talk about the AFLW awards and, and the best and fairest and, and what's to come for North Melbourne in the future. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll get you back on and uh, talk about that and um, yeah, probably other things as well, Claire. So once again, uh, thanks for coming on tonight and thanks for coming, at, coming on uh, during the course of the season for the AFLW. And I will chat to you soon, Claire. Thanks very much, Dean. Appreciate it. So once again, thanks so much to Claire for taking the time out each week to come on the show and talk all things AFLW during the course of the season. Like I said to her, it won't be the end um, you know, of her appearances or anything like that. Um, she will be back on soon. We'll probably, I think uh, December 8th is the BNF count for the AFLW, so we'll probably do a bit of a preview, oh, not a preview, a review of that um, once that happens. I think we all know who the winner is going to be, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. Look, it's uh, still good to talk about this these things and and also talk about you know uh, other awards that happen on the night. So you know, I, I'm still interested to see who comes second, third, fourth, uh, fifth in the BNF. So yeah, um, like we talked about, a lot of growth in the girls this year. So yeah, a fantastic season by them, and it's been a pleasure uh, to cover them uh, throughout the course of the season as well from a personal perspective. And I'm sure all your supporters feel the same as well. Uh, once again, thanks to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, comments, retweets you guys do uh, for the show. I really appreciate it. it um, it's you know the show has grown, uh, especially AFLW podcasts have really grown over the course uh, of the season as opposed to this time last year. You know the downloads, um, the plays have pretty much doubled uh, from that. So yeah, I can't thank you uh, supporters all enough. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm not too sure what the future looks like for Twitter, but um, the fact that you guys are still doing it, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Anyways, that's it for this episode. I will be back later in the week. I pro- I might do an AFLW Grand Final preview with Loza once again. Um, we'll probably still do that. You know, I'll, I'll do another episode of that. I am trying to tee something up that is uh, quite special later in the week. I'm not too sure if it's going to happen. Uh, I'm working hard to make it happen. Uh, I'm sure it's an episode you guys would all enjoy, and girls, of course. But, um, yeah, we'll see how we go with that. Anyways, I won't give too much away with that. Anyways, that's it for this episode. So today, I will leave a shout-out to Nicole Bresnahan. Bye for now.